It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, we're back. That's a... Is this, is this where we say, and we're back? Uh, and we're back. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That is my good buddy, Matthew Soma. Uh... Yeah, we we accidentally took a week off. You know, it's a pretty exhausting hockey season, so I, I think we earned it. Uh, but we got some good stuff to talk to you about tonight. Obviously, the off season is about to get into the swing of things. I believe, anyway. Um, I, I was kind of cracking jokes about people clowning on the Avalanche, thinking they were actually going to lose. I had faith in them all the way. They didn't even play well in their last game, Game Four. Jeez, my brain is totally not in it. Um, I've been working too damn much, man. I got like three jobs now and it's killing me. Anyway, uh, game four, they didn't even look that good and they still ended up winning that game. And I think, well, I mean, three, one lead is probably curtains anyway, but just especially the way it happened, I fully expect them to wrap it up in game five. So at that point, we'll really be able to get into the full swing of the off season. But Matt, what do you want to talk about, man? Cause I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think everybody's pretty much talked about the Stanley Cup Finals right now. Yes, we get it. This is the series that everybody outside of, you know, Canes fans wanted to see. And I think once it got to the Eastern Conference Final, this is the series that Canes fans would have wanted anyways, just because the I, I didn't really want to watch the Rangers get it handed to them at five-on-five five by the Avalanche. I would at least like to have seen, like, a competent NHL team up against them and uh yeah really i think though like the couple things i wanted to talk about this week um obviously there was the news that ethan bear has been given permission to talk to other teams and i don't hate it i'm gonna be honest uh the fact that he was scratched in the playoffs, even if he was hurt, you know, I think is pretty telling. It's pretty clear that, you know, either Rod didn't like him, he didn't want to be here, a mix of both. You know, I feel like the Hurricanes always give a player an offer and then let them walk away if they don't like it. And then it kind of gets spun as, well, he didn't want to be here. But I don't know. I think the Canes can use that cap space for some other stuff. You've got Jalen Chatfield. You've got Joey Keane in the mix um, for next year. I mean, hell, even Jesper Selgren 
as uh, in the mix for the third pair next year. So you have replacements down in Chicago that will cost, excuse me, a lot less. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I think cheap rookie deals or just in Chatfield's chase, generally cheap deals. And he's going to be on a one way next year are, are going to be really important for the hurricanes. If they're going to go out and get what they need to get, which is an elite score. Um, and, and again, they, they, the front office has got to be salivating. We, we've talked about this a little bit already two weeks ago when we actually recorded that some of these players that are already reportedly available, we'll see how the offseason shakes out. And I'm sure some guys that aren't even you know really in the headlines right now may become available, but I, they've got to be just foaming at the mouth, ready to get after some of these guys. And that's where those cheap deals come into play. You have to have guys that are competent or even good on those cheap deals and be able to afford lots of very, very good ones. So. It's going to be a really fascinating offseason from that perspective. I do agree with you that maybe they can make better use of Bears cap hit. Um, it's going to be <laughs> it's kind of a disappointing end to what was a very, very weird Hurricanes career. Because, I mean, it's like this guy was really, really good. Like he had his moments, especially when he was on the top pairing with Slavin, where he looked like a bona fide NHL, maybe even top four defenseman that could have been a big piece of this team's future. And I always go back to just, kind of how unlucky he really was because it's like every time he got some traction and started to play super well he got hurt he got COVID something went wrong and it, it always took him a while to get back and then it seemed like just when he was getting back into the swing of things something else popped up so again it's really disappointing and, and it, ultimately I think some team's going to end up getting a really good NHL defenseman on the cheap and <laughs> that someday a lot of Canes fans are going to be like what the hell why did we let him go but it's a numbers game. It might be just what's best for both sides, really. To your point about how he played at the beginning of the year, I do think there's also like the the argument to be made that Jacob Slavin makes a lot of players look a lot better than they really are. Sure. Um, just because you're playing with one of the best, you know, two-way defensemen in the game right now, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't think that should be an opinion thing. I think that's just... Uh, you know, somebody's always going to argue, so I'm going to have to say in my opinion. Otherwise, if I say it definitively, then somebody's going to pitch a fit, as they say. It would stink, but those guys on the rookie contracts or the very cheap deals are going to be the reason why the Canes are going to be competitive next year. I think, you know, getting Coke Kaniemi, I mean, it, it's he got a new contract, but it's technically a pay cut. All things considered, it's a just about a $1.3 million uh, pay cut, which will help for the cap as well. So you've got to think the Hurricanes are going to do something. Yeah, well, I mean, this is going to be the offseason where the Canes front office makes their money. And I've kind of seen some of the things you've been posting on Twitter, and I'm guessing it's something you're going to want to talk about tonight with you know, how important this offseason is, comparatively speaking. To me, this is the most important one because it's like, you, you, you brought up 2018 and yeah, it was super important for them to get off on the right foot and improve. And they, you know, blew expectations out of the water, but I think even incremental improvement that season, even if they didn't, you know, beat Washington and, you know, make that little mini run. I think there's something, wait, they weren't all the Eastern conference finals that year. Sorry. I'm dumb. Yeah. Um, even if that hadn't happened, I think there was, you know, it could have been a positive step forward this year you don't have much wiggle room. This team needs to take a, you know, a 
I still going to say a significant step because we saw what the team's potential was and they just didn't play up to it in the playoffs. <clears throat> but I, I think the East is relatively wide open right now. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Tampa Bay this offseason. I haven't looked at their contract situation, but like it's about time for some new team to step up in the Eastern Conference. It could very well be next year where somebody takes that mantle and why not the Hurricanes? Like they're as well positioned as anybody to do it if they make one or two tweaks, but they need to be big tweaks. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see how they play it off with Trotex, obviously, Niederreiter, obviously, like all these guys that are important pieces of this team that are up for free agency. So, yeah, that's, I mean, and and then even guys like D'Angelo, who, guys, it's, it's just going to be fascinating to see. It's, it's a lot of money they've got that, it, it, I mean, it's allocated, but it's not, right? Like, it's not like, if you look at the book, technically they have a ton of money to spend, but that's a lot of holes that are need to be filled either with re-signings or new players. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. And to, to your point about Tampa, they have four UFAs on their roster and that's it for their expiring contracts. Don't Riley Nash. I, I didn't mean to say that they're not going to like still be around. No, I'm just saying, I'm just letting you know, like they're not going anywhere because Riley <laughs> Nash, Andre Palat's kind of a big one. Yeah. Nick Paul and then Yan Ruda. So not really anybody that important. Right, and they always find a way. Like, <laughs> they, even if they lose Palat, what they're going to just bring in to bring it, probably <laughs> something ridiculous like right, that. They're, they're gonna they're gonna take Alex Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli out behind the barn, <laughs> and uh, they're gonna magically get like an injury that prevents them from playing until the playoffs, and they'll go out and acquire to bring it instead, and then all will be well. Before I get to well, no, I, I do want to talk about this. See, I disagree on the more pivotal offseason. I still think that 2018 was the most important one because you've got the new owner, you've got a fan base that desperately needs some life injected into it, and you've got the second overall pick. Oh, that was an easy one, though. <laughs> like... No, but like I'm saying, like that's huge and that's pivotal that with the second overall pick in a draft you could change the course of your franchise and it has sure but that's just been point, great some point you need to kind of do that don't you think and i think now is the time they need to strike while the iron's hot because look sure. how many more years are aho and terabyte under contract for you think aho is under starting? contract for two more seasons and terabyte is up at the same time they're both yeah. they're both at the same off season they both are up at the same off season and I feel like there's some more big ones. I think it might even be stall that off season too, which that could just be the end for, I don't know. It depends on how the next couple of stall is actually uh, a UFA at the end of next season. Really? Okay. That's actually a pretty interesting storyline that I hadn't even considered yet. Yeah. So, so our, He's gonna, that's, that's actually a good thing for the Canes too, because. Well, the, the biggest thing about the off season where Aho and Tara Vinan are UFAs is it's also Jarvis's first year as an RFA. Jeez. Uh, and then you've got Brady Shea, Brett Pesci. Jacob Slavin's not long either. Yeah. And then that's that's it for like the players that I think could realistically make the team. Right. But this is this is my point for like why the Hurricanes need to go ahead and make some headway and, and make a run. Even if they just Oh yeah, because I mean you've got at some point you're looking at two more seasons where you, you can keep all of your core on without right. having to do something crazy. And you don't know what's going to happen after that. Maybe 
hell, maybe Aho does want to go to Montreal. We don't know, ultimately. <laughs> like, eh. I mean, I doubt Montreal, but there could be somewhere else that has, you know, stricken his fancy. Um, uh, the only, so the other reason why it's important, and this, this might put it in perspective, we have three players signed beyond the 2023 and 2024 season on the roster currently. <laughs> Andrei Svechnikov, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and Jacob Slavin, who only will have one more year remaining on that deal. Do you think Slavin – I don't think Slavin's ever playing anywhere else, to be honest. I doubt it, but it's still worth noting that yeah. those are the only three Hurricanes under contract. At some point, he could say, oh, by the way, I'm one of the best defensemen in the NHL. You should pay me. <laughs> like, and Tom Dundon's just going to go, no. No, I don't think so. I think he's going to say, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just. And then, and then Slavin's Chrysler nature is going to help him, you know, not. Right. It's not all about the money or whatever. So that could help him out. I, I don't know, man. Well, I don't want to say the guy's religion is going to help him out. Anyway. <laughs> you just have to <sighs> I'm saying like the kind of guy he is. He, he could seem like. He does kind of seem like the guy that like wouldn't care about getting the best possible deal. He does. Seem yeah, he like, does not care about the money or the glory. It he's seems. laid down roots here. It seems like he'd probably want to stay. Sure. But we're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves at this point. Like the <laughs> fact of the matter is the hurricanes need to find a new piece of their core for the now. Like, yeah, they, they definitely need to find that goal scoring, like elite talent up front. And, and that's, such a difficult thing to find too like there are plenty of guys on this roster that have the ability to score but dude, none of the owner could be like a, a sneaky big piece of this team's future if he i mean it's a big In like gap two years yeah it'll be a couple years and it's a big gap between his floor and ceiling i mean julian goche had that potential too and we see what he's doing not even cracking the lineup for new york well, so i mean that's something else I, well, yeah, but his skill level also, I, I think Gula's a lot more skilled than, than Gauthier was. Gauthier was just big, fast, and could really shoot the puck. Gundler has a lot more offensively than Gauthier. Gundler's a lot smarter. Yeah, yeah. That's better true. defensively, a better skater. Right, this yeah. Better. So, so I guess, like, let's talk about the positions in need then, because we're already on there. We're already talking about, you know, the fact the Canes need data score. I think the defense needs a little bit of working as well um, because obviously you're not going to be able to keep this defense intact if D'Angelo wants really any more than he was making well, this season. Look, all signs are pointing to Martin Natchez being a trade chip this offseason to me. So Really? Because I have, I, I, we haven't seen anything. We haven't heard anything. There have been rumors that they were they're looking at a defenseman form. Did you not see that? No, I haven't. Who tweeted that? Yeah, it was some Jeff Merrick rumors, I believe, something like that. Um, and they were talking about the Hurricanes are potentially looking at the market for a defenseman, which I thought was kind of wild. I, I mean, it, it makes some level of sense if D'Angelo is not coming back. But if he is, I mean, maybe they think they can less. get like Philip Forsberg or Johnny Gaudreau. Okay, well, if they think they're getting that, then that's one thing. But if not, I think that's – we've kind of penciled that in as their most likely trade chip for a guy like Debrinket or a guy on the trade market. But if they actually do want to dip their toes in and think they have a real chance of getting some guy on the UFA market that just costs you money, obviously then you can use Nages as a trade chip elsewhere and kind of 
knock out multiple birds with, well, I won't say one stone being nature's because even his trade's probably going to take a lot of extras. Well, depending on who you get to, but the UFA market would be great if the Hurricanes could get a sniper that way, because then you're just giving up money. You're not giving up assets. Obviously that beats, you know, Deprinkett's going to cost a lot, man. Like uh, It's going to cost a lot. And then his next contract is going to be be a whopper. Yeah. Cause he is huge. I mean, he is very young and, very very good at hockey <laughs> like i don't think that's really breaking news or a hot take like the points that dude has put up as a five six forward is uh, he's so fun to watch too he really would be my like ideal target especially because i just think he'd be so fun like have him on one line and jarvis on the second like are you kidding me oh god anyway and imagine a top six or even put the brinket on the or you put the brinket on the top line with aho and Vina, and then your second line is what kokaniemi with Andre Svechnikov and Alex Debrinkit, bro, give me that. Oh, Seth fuck. Jarvis. Hey, wait, who did, what did I say? You used Debrinkit twice. Yeah, yeah, would be, would be cool, but I don't think that's really fair. <laughs> to Debrinkit would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then have Seth just, Jarvis just clone team. him. Well, I mean, in some ways, they're kind of similar. They're like these kind of smaller, feisty guys with elite tier skill and elite shots. Debrinkit yeah. better than Jarvis is, but Jarvis is really, really good too. So you have two really, really good scorers on this team. And that is something you kind of said a second ago, is there are some guys that could kind of grow into that scoring role for the Hurricanes. And I think Seth Jarvis is the best candidate. Him and, you know, even Svechnikov could take a step forward as a goal scorer. But in some ways, he's been a little less in that department than I kind of hoped he would be, especially with his raw tools. But then again, he's been better in other areas than I maybe expected him to be. So altogether, hard to call Svechnikov disappointing but you know again there's plenty of potential on the roster they have the opportunity to move forward but then with the defense it's like it's a whole nother story it's like I guess it all kind of revolves around D'Angelo because I'm so torn on what they should ultimately do there because obviously he was very very good during the regular season offensively and if you lose him you're opening up a hole on the top power play that is another thing that's really difficult to fill and it costs a lot of money. So I think that's why they're looking at a defenseman. Right, for Natchez. So that, that's the part that makes sense. And unless you think Scott Morrow is ready to step up into that role, which I think he needs He's to not. Be. Yeah, I agree. And if Kale McCarr took a second year in college, I think Scott Morrow probably can too. Um, but again, I mean, the, with the depth, that's, that's where what we were talking about earlier comes into play. You can add a guy like Selgren maybe. You can add a guy like Keane, Chatfield. All those guys – could probably not look out of place and may even be pretty damn good in a third pairing role next year. Especially, I think, the two guys on the right side, Keenan Chatfield. We know what Chatfield's capable of at the NHL level right now. He's been really good in the playoffs um, at the AHL level, which I'm sure we're going to get into here soon. Um, and, and you know what? Along with that, before we segue into that, if you wanted to do that soon, how about my boy Jamison Reese, man? Like, the point totals haven't been, like, ridiculous or anything, but that dude's made a huge impact. And really since, like, the last, you know, maybe month and a half or two months of the regular season, he's come on really, really strong, and I've been super impressed with him. Yeah, I watched last night's game, and he was he was being himself yep. in the sense where he was just being really, really annoying. <laughs> I know. And <laughs> Springfield – so the Wolves have benefited from – Springfield taking some really stupid penalties after the whistle. And Jamison Reese is trying to agitate that. And it's working. The officiating in that series has just been 
Well, dude, if NHL officiating is terrible, what do you expect the NHL officiating to be? I mean, yeah, it has not been good. <laughs> but um, I I want to get to the Wolves in a bit. What I want to talk about right now, Brandon, we mentioned this the other day. I want to talk about so far there have been seven new coaches hired in the NHL this season. I almost forgot about this. You've got Lane Lambert with the Islanders. Martin Saint-Louis became a permanent head coach in Montreal, which I don't think is a huge surprise to anybody. Right. Bruce Cassidy got hired in Vegas. John Tortorella got hired in Philadelphia. Uh, uh, Jay Woodcroft uh, re- also removed the interim tag. So I guess there's been five new coaches and two like now permanent head coaches. Even Dallas hired Pete DeBoer and oh, two of them. Okay. Florida <laughs> hired Paul Maurice. So I don't really have a take on Lambert, San Louis, or Jay Woodcroft because I think all three are new head coaches in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken. But I've got takes on everybody else. <laughs> and I want to start with Bruce Cassidy in Vegas. I like that fit a lot. Because I think it's the best coaching hire of the offseason, so far at least. Well, Boston was so dumb to let him go in the first place. Like, he was well, so Boston. Yeah. Everything. Like, That's a team that how uh, do you play there is looking for scapegoats. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's, it's not Bruce Cassidy's fault that his team had one line. Right. Like, that's not his fault, you he know? He briefly turned it into two by bumping Pasta down and, and adding Jake DeBrusque to the top line, and Jake DeBrusque went off for a little while. Yeah, and then... He went back to being Jake DeBrusque, but... Yeah. So, Cassidy is going to be a good hire for Vegas. The problem I have with it is you know that if Bruce Cassidy does not make the playoffs again with this Vegas team, or, or if they don't win a Stanley Cup he's going to be the first guy to go even though he's not the one that's put them in salary cap hell even though it probably should be jack eichel oh <laughs> ah, well see the thing about vegas is like they're trying to build an all-star team and then they're realizing that they don't have the money for it yep. and then they don't have any depth because they trade away all their draft picks and then you realize how volatile of the game hockey is with inconsistencies and injuries. And when that and then when those players get out, you're getting like fringe, like you're getting like AHL third liners to come play hockey for you. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, it's tough. That's a tough situation. And I think if they have even like half the injuries, the issues they had this past season, it's going to be, it's going to be, Pretty tough. Yeah. What is your take on John Tortorella in Philly? He's such a Philly hire. To me. He is a very Philly hire. Like that's it's very much a place where the fans are gonna love him. I just the team is just not good. That's the first problem you look at. But they're probably gonna be super annoying to play against next year. Because I mean they've got a pretty good blue line. Like Travis Sanheim is a guy that I fucking love to watch. Um. It, <laughs> I, well, hell, I can't remember. They, they, have, they have Risto still, right? Hold yeah. Uh, they signed 
Rasmus or Stalin, and I think to like an eight-year contract. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, so they got, um, Risto, they got Risto long-term, and then they all well Risto as he he wasn't as bad last year as he had been at times, but still. Well, that's because he has, he has to play on the top pairing for the well, Philadelphia that should, Flyers. That could easily like expose his flaws worse. But anyway, they also are getting Ryan Ellis back last year, who was a sneaky good pickup last uh, offseason. And so here's the thing, though you. They really don't have anybody. Um, a lot of their guys are signed long-term. And like Cam Atkinson, you've got him for three more years. I don't think he's as good anymore. JVR is making $7 million next year. And, I, and like he led the team in goals, but he's also 33. Kevin Hayes has had so many injury issues. Um Philly's defense, I think you're realizing, is not nearly as good as it has been. Um, Provorov is making way too much money. Ristolainen is signed. Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's only a five-year contract, but it's still pretty bad. That's the um, term I would give Rasmus Ristolainen, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's just you've got Carter Hart, who I, I still believe that Carter Hart could be a decent goaltender. I really do. And maybe Torts is the guy that brings that out of him. But for the Flyers, this is a team going into the draft with six picks. They have every pick but their second-round pick. And it's not a team that I could see. Like, their their core group of guys, like their top forwards, are all old other than Joel Farabee. Travis Konechny is not the player they thought he was. Unfortunately. Travis Sandheim is pretty good. I like Sam York might be okay. Ivan Provorov, like I said, is decent. He's a good NHL defenseman, but he's not a $6.75 million NHL defenseman. He's, he's a lot like Konechny, except for, well, actually, Provorov has had some injury problems as well. But yeah. Uh, so I, I guess both of them you could kind of categorize that way. But, but to your point, both of them probably weren't they're not what they expected them to be so i was listening to the athletic hockey show with and uh they had charlie o'connor on who covers the flyers and he was saying this is a team that next year they might squeak into like a wild card spot depending on what they do this offseason they don't really have a lot of cap space to do that they've got five million dollars right now and you've got to sign morgan frost who might be good Owen Tippett, who, again, might be good. Probably isn't good. But, see, here's the thing with the Flyers, though. It's very easily they all of a sudden all those guys hit just for, like, a year. And like right. they can all those guys into a wild card spot. Well, or maybe even more, because it seems like the Flyers always do. We've always said this. Whatever we expect the Flyers to do, they're going to do the opposite that season. If you expect them to be good and contend for a Stanley Cup, they will be in the lottery. If you expect That's, them to be in the lottery, they're going to the playoffs. You make well, a good I point. Like, I don't remember last offseason what we were saying about them. I'm pretty sure this is all I said about them. I was like, I'm done giving predictions on the Flyers because I don't know. <laughs> My bold draft prediction is that Philly takes Connor Geeky fifth overall. That'll be funny. Because <laughs> he's a Flyers player. Like He's such a flyer in my head. But, he, can't <laughs> uh, he can't skate. He's big. Uh, there's some physicality to his game. 
he's just like a really good like old like he he would have been like a top player in like the late 90s yeah like peak dead puck era connor geeky would have been like the best damn player in the league <laughs> don't know about now though um going back to coaches now i think we've kind of talked about uh john tortorella i want to talk about pete the boar in dallas before before we get to our boy paul <laughs> oh, i'm so excited to get to talk about paul Maurice. and this is another oh, thing go. i heard Mo, from, must go. right this is another thing i heard from the athletic hockey show pete DeBoer is the guy that uh started the whole alan walsh sword through the back of mark andre Fleury tweet thing when he you remember that when alan walsh tweeted the picture of i remember Andre, that mark andre Fleury with the with the fucking sword through his back <laughs> yes yes i mean everybody remembers so pete DeBoer was coach when that happened on hockey twitter yeah yeah so they're worried they were worried that he was going to do that to Jake Ottinger. And I really like Jake Ottinger, and I think he's probably the best player that Dallas has currently. Oh, he is. He was ridiculous in that playoffs. Like, everybody's been – like, for a while there, you had this thing where teams were wary of first drafting goalies in the first round. Right. And I remember – when Ottinger was drafted, he was like the first in a couple years because it, usually, you know, you see teams avoid taking goalies. And everybody clowned Dallas for it, too. I remember that. Yeah. And he's looking good. Very Obviously, good. you know, Vasilevsky worked out. I think Spencer Knight's going to be okay. Um, jury's still out on Kosa and Wallstedt and Askarov. But I think Ottinger is gonna gonna reverse the trend, and you're gonna see teams when the draft gets better goalie wise. You're gonna start seeing teams maybe think a little less hard about drafting a goalie in the first. I still can't believe Kosa went over Wallstead, but anyway, we're not gonna get off topic there. Uh, <laughs> I can't either, especially given like Detroit's penchant for taking Swedes. Yeah, but. That's just right me. there. <laughs> it's right there. Anyway. He was right there. That is that is true. You are, I can't argue with that. Yeah. So Florida has made what people are calling the biggest hire of the offseason just because it's so here. For the first of all, <laughs> other than Lane Lambert, every or every other than the Islanders hiring Lane Lambert, and then obviously the two interim coaches. Every other head coach that has been hired by an NHL team right now has, is a retread. Yeah, well, that's what the NHL does. I don't even know who Lane Lambert is, so good on them for that. <laughs> Brad Lambert something. Oh, oh, he's related to Brad Lambert. Okay, that's actually I believe so. So, Lambert to the Isles? <laughs> I don't know if the Islanders have their first this year. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. Lambert's he's still probably gonna go top 10 right or do you think he's falling that far I think he's this year's Goomler okay interesting I don't think he falls to the second but I think he falls a good bit yeah okay to answer your question Brad Lambert is Lane Lambert's nephew okay anyways um they're all retreads 
Paul Maurice, though, is like anti-Florida Panthers to me. Yeah. To me, I think that when you look at the way the Panthers play, well, it'd be a lot like them down there, wouldn't it? Like in a lot of ways, like trying to yeah, get them to go down there and play some defense, guys. We're gonna the play Florida play. Panthers were fun this year. Yep, and they were all high octane offense. Paul they Maurice didn't give a shit if you scored six goals because they were gonna score eight. <laughs> right, Paul Maurice. It's like every game is like a 2-1 finish. He's going to like bench Marchment or like one of their like good young players because like they didn't back check or something. I just – I don't see it, man. <laughs> I don't know how you could look at the team. Man. You could look at what time. made you successful and yeah. be like, you know what we really need? None of that. <laughs> well, you know, I said earlier, I was talking about, you know, maybe somebody's going to step up and take the throne from the Tampa Bay Lightning next year. And again, I, I do want to go back and say I wasn't trying to say the Tampa was going anywhere because they're not. But I, I do think the Hurricanes could have beat them this year if they got to their game and were playing the way of hockey they were capable of in the playoffs. And I really, <laughs> I really think they can next year if guys continue to improve some of those youngsters like Svechnikov and Jarvis, and they're able to make good on their opportunity this offseason, which that's yeah. a lot of ifs, but, you know, all the same. Anyway, this There's is always a lot of ifs with every team. Sure. But this is the other part of that. It's like Florida would have been the obvious answer. And now it's like, I don't know what the hell to make of them next year. Because this year, you know, a lot of things like their depth, like turned from like, okay, to ridiculous. And they just took the step that, you know, you're kind of hoping the Hurricanes will take in the regular season anyway, um, moving forward. And with a guy like Maurice, I just don't see that progression going like it it just seems like you're going down a path and now you're like trying to take a side road for no good reason and you're furthering yourself from your destination (laughs) like that's how it feels to me well and you look at the the players they have on their roster this year um that are they're potentially losing this year um, Noel Achari, who had a great year, UFA. Claude so, Giroux. Dude, he was such a Bruins player. It was so weird that they moved on from him. So Achari, Giroux, Maxime Mammon, Mason Marchman, and Joe Marchman, Thornton, man. all UFAs this year. Marchman's in UFA? Man, mm-hmm. the Canes should get after him. <laughs> He's big and good. They're UFAs on defense, Ben Chirot, eh. <laughs> Robert Hag and some guy I've never heard of, Pateri Lindbaum. As a true Florida Panthers fan, I think they should give Ben Sherratt an eight-year deal. I absolutely do. <laughs> um, lifetime contracts to Ben Sherratt. <laughs> um, but that's the thing, though. You know, they don't have a ton of cap space. Right now they've got projected $3 million in cap space, according to Cap Friendly. That's tough. So we'll see what happens with the Panthers. It's going to be an interesting offseason for them. So out of the teams that still do not have a head coach, you've got Winnipeg, Boston, Detroit, and Chicago. Do you think that some of these teams are waiting for Barry Trotz? Or do you think, and this is this might be spicy, do you think that one of these four teams is going to hire Ryan Wersofsky? Dude, Warzowski's gone soon. It might be this offseason. I agree. 
I don't see how he how he's going to be able to stay because there's going to be some team that's going to offer him an NHL deal. Yeah, and and I think teams are starting to catch on to that, and it's going to start to get to the point of like, I mean, obviously he's not going to Carolina. You guys can say all you want about oh Brendan Moore needs to be on the hot seat, but you know anyway. There's not a position opening up in Carolina anytime soon. And at some point, some team's going to be like, yo, we need to jump on this and get Warsawski before somebody else does. And I feel like this offseason could very well be that time. Now, there should be a thing opening up in Carolina. I think it is, again, my opinion. I think they should move on from Jeff Daniels. That's yeah. just me. But he's, dude, he doesn't need to take an assistant coaching job. Like, no, he doesn't. But he's going to give him a head coach. I think that's the only way that the Hurricanes are able to retain him at this point. Yeah, maybe if there's not like a great job available, then you can bump him up to the NHL. And, you know, the next year he's probably gone. But, um, especially if the Hurricanes, you know, do take that step offensively and start to actually produce in the power play and, you know, some little things. But that's, I mean, he's going to be a very, very odd coach in like very, very little time if he's not already. I'm sure he's already on a lot of lists. I mean, he's young. He's had a ton of success at that level. You can tell from like the way he's just very Brindamorean. Like <laughs> they're, they're very similar. They really are. And and it's it's by design. We've talked about this with Eric Tulski. We've talked about it with, you know, uh, I think Aaron, like probably most of the people we brought on here that we've talked to about Ryan Wazowski, a lot of the players from the AHL. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing the kind of success Brendan Moore's had, you know, maybe some teams are at least moderately smart and don't want to have another retread and bring back some old coach that's done this and got fired from another job because he sucked at it. And yeah, he's just going to work for us all of a sudden. Yeah, that's a dumb way of thinking. I don't really get it. But like when hey, some hey, team hey. hired like Mike Yo after yeah. doing literally nothing with uh, St. Louis. his previous team. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, sorry, as we're recording, apparently, so Joe McDonald tweeted that Patrice Bergeron is likely to return on a one-year deal with the Bruins. Uh, that's kind of surprising. I thought he was done. I so, did too. So, cool. I mean, he's still got it. He can still he play. Was- that's the thing is he was still really good. Like, yeah, yeah, everybody was saying that. And like the way he, when the hurricanes eliminated the Bruins, he stood there to shake all their hands. I, I didn't find that. Like people were like, look at him doing that. I'm like, I mean, his season just ended and he has one of the best leaders in the league. Like that doesn't, is why I don't know why that was so surprising to some people, but yeah, I, I, I think Bergeron has at least another year of good hockey left in him. All right, guys, speaking of Warsawski, you probably know that his hockey team is on a pretty good stretch down in the American Hockey League. So before we get out of here, we're going to talk about that a little bit and give you some updates from the farm. But first, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take just a quick second and get a word from DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. 
Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals are scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you catch our podcast for important details. So Pyotr Kochekov had his second shutout in like five games in these playoffs. He might be up to six games now, but like he has, other than I think it was game four against Stockton. And didn't they win that game? Like, I know he had one game where he was kind of shaky, but didn't they, like, still win, or was that the game? No, they he's lost only... that game. Okay, I was going to say, he's only got one loss in the playoff. And it was – every other game he's played in, he's been good in, if not great. This one was, like, the worst game I've of his that I've seen all season. This past game, though, I mean, truly dominant. Like – kept the Wolves afloat in that game because they still you the Wolves always give up a ton of chances because it's the AHL and the Wolves capitalized on all of theirs but man that performance from him was legendary it was so good Vasily Ponomaryov has been good dude Ivan Ladnia that one pass was like oh yes Ladnia has been a sneaky good player um yeah so Minnesota bought him out or no, they terminated his contract. It was like a mutual termination. And then he signed an AHL deal with Chicago. And I was like, Hey guys, this is like a really solid move. Lanio was always like a really gritty, solid offensive player when he was in the OHL. I think this could work out. And, you know, obviously he's playing in a depth role, but he's, he's scoring a decent amount and playing really well for the Wolves right now. They have a lot of those players, man. Like, even if they're just on AHL deals, they're like sneaky good pickups that end up playing pretty big roles. I mean, I mean, you could even put guys like Podorowski into that category. Obviously, he's been like the AHL's leading scorer. But, right. you know, they, they get these little depth pickups that, you know, don't really make any headlines. And then, I mean, that's how you build a winning culture here. Like, all these guys, like the prospects that are playing right now, Noel Goonler, Jameson Reese, Jack Drury, who has been – we're going to talk about him in a minute, I'm sure. Like, that's how you build a culture that they didn't have before Brenda Moore got here. You know, they've already built it at the NHL level too, but now they're teaching their AHL players that already kind of have that instilled by the time they get to the league. That can only do good things for the Hurricanes. So yeah. this organization is being run very, very well right now, all the way through it, um, from the drafting to the minors to, for the most part, the NHL. And hopefully that continues this offseason again. I'm going to keep my faith in them until they prove me, give me a reason not to, but um, yeah, man, I, the Wolves, you know, the Stockton series, I was like, you know, Stockton's really good. They're going to give them a fight and they kind of pushed back a little bit after getting like way down. But for the most part, the Wolves kind of asserted their dominance. Both of Chicago's losses in that series were in overtime. Yeah. So exactly. Those were games that Chicago could have easily won too. So I mean, you could say also say that about the Tampa series, too, Yeah, uh, in the and, NHL. And back to Kajikov, just real quick, it's like – it's at least starting to present the question of whether or not going back to the AHL next season does anything for him. Because, I mean, consistency maybe. Like, there are definitely some times, you know, we just talked about how bad of a game he had. 
uh, we've talked a lot about his rebound control at times can get pretty shoddy. Like there's definitely things he can work on, but at the same time, are we really convinced he's not one of the two best goaltenders in the organization right now? I still think Anderson and Ranta have the edge. Sure. I think it's a lot closer than we initially thought it could have been. That's for sure. But I think you ride out the goalies you have this year. If there's You're an not injury, expecting to... them to start 82 games anyway, right? Like, right. Well, I think got pretty fortunate there's... that Ronson and Anderson started what, like, 80 something of the 92 games the Hurricanes played. Yeah, I think I think there's always going to be the risk of injuries with these two goalies. So it's it's entirely possible, and I would argue that it's pretty likely actually that Piotr gets at least a handful of starts in the NHL next year. Um, Chicago's good. I think Springfield is a really solid team as well, but man. I think they're outmatched talent-wise because, I mean, they've got, what, Matthew Pekka. They've got, like, a couple of decent players that could be in it. Dakota Joshua, Will Bitten. Will Bitten's pretty good, yeah. James Neal. (laughs) Really? How did I not know that? Yeah, James Neal. So I only watched bits and pieces of this series so far. Kochekov actually stoned James Neal a couple times. Uh, I love that. I actually love that. James Neal is only like 50 years old and can't even move anymore. But it's well, I'm just know. kidding. <laughs> okay, so just closing out before we get out of here, I, I do want to talk about Drury just a little bit. And I, I do have one more question I want to pose to you about Jameson Reese. So is there any, any possibility that the last game – of the Calder Cup Finals is not Jack Drury's last one in the AHL. There's always a possibility. However, I think that since Drury, there's no business for him. There's no reason for him to be in the AHL right now. Yeah. So my, my take is that we will see Jack Drury in the NHL next season. Opening night. I, I would guess. Opening night. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned earlier, those players on those rookie deals are going to be so important. Like right. Seth Jarvis and Jack Drury, both playing, likely both in our top nine, playing on sub $1 million deals is going to be massive. Right. And, and I mean, the guy just keeps getting better too. It's like, you know, the way. Yeah, I mean, he's he, at the beginning of the year, he, was, he, was, he should have been in the NHL. Yeah, but his, and his just, offensive game just continues to blossom, man. And like, yeah. you, you know, I, I kind of said this in my uh, prospect ranking. Uh, it's still up. I think I still have it pinned on my Twitter if you guys haven't watched or read it yet. Um, I, I think I said that, you know, it's an imperfect comparison to compare him to Stahl. It's the easy one everyone wants to make because he's really good defensively and whatnot. But obviously he's not going to be Stahl. He's not going to be that big, dominant, physically defensive presence although he is elite in that end i think but he's probably got more skill to his game already than the big guy does like he's not quite good enough offensively to be like a selkie winner right but he's he's always going to be one of those players smart as hell analytics guys are going to be like this player should win the selkie based on this you know on his impact because he just makes all the right little plays really but then the way like he's grown offensively, like he's so good in tight spaces. He's always in the right spot that allows him to capitalize on opportunities and make things happen. And he's a sneaky, good finisher. He's a better finisher than I thought he was going to be when the Hurricanes first drafted him. 
I think his shot has gotten better. I think his release has gotten better. Everything, and, his puck skills, everything has gotten yeah, better. Absolutely. He's, he's probably, I mean, I thought he was 2018 draft. I think he's going to be a 2C. I really do. I thought he was a 3C. I think he can be a top six center in the NHL. The, the ceiling now, I still think he pans out as more of a third line center, but the ceiling, there's definitely top six upside. Yeah. Because, I mean, I look at the Carolina Hurricanes draft from 2018. Obviously, you've got Svechnikov, which, you know, I'd say that's worked out pretty well so far. Other than that, though, Luke Henman, Lenny Keelanen, no longer with the team. Jake Kuharski probably won't be anything. Yes, for Selgren, the jury's still out on him. Rumor is he wants a one-way deal. Yeah. And if not, he's going to Sweden. So... Svetch and Drury might be it from that draft. Yeah. And in all likelihood, they probably are, because I don't see how Selgren makes it to the NHL next year. Right. So if Drury does reach that ceiling, it's way better than if we just get a 3C. Yeah, and for only getting two players out of a draft, that's a hell of a draft anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Last thing, and this is just kind of, you know, humor me. A little bit. I always do, Brandon. <laughs> we saw Jamison Reese in camp last year look like he was just about ready for the NHL. Obviously, yeah. he had some disappointing moments. And we spent a lot of this <clears throat> podcast talking about how important those rookie deals are going to be next year. See where I'm going with this. What do you think? Do you think there's a chance anyway? What would you put the odds at, if you will? That he, I, I mean, if he replicates or as a little bit better, in his camp this year than he was last year. Don't you think he could be a guy that earns a bottom six role and is just annoying as hell. All those things we say about him, you know, if he can carry over the confidence he's obviously playing with right now, continue to improve upon a few little things over the off season, maybe get a little bit faster. I think that's a guy that could even push into that and surprise a lot of people. And this is another point I made in my, you know, uh, top 10 prospects actually, I think he's a guy that could kind of surprise and, you know, despite the scoring totals that don't exactly make you bat your eyes. I think this is a guy that may be ready sooner than later. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that too. I'm going to say no, but here's why. Hear me out. Just just stay with me, Brandon. I I know. I'm shutting down. I'm getting off. Right. I know that's not the answer you wanted to hear, (laughs) but hear me out because my answer will actually make you feel better. I know, it's cool. So with Reese, the only spot I see him having a chance at making this year is on the fourth line. Yeah. Whereas I think he could be a top six forward in the AHL with Chicago next year. I, I think I'd rather have him in that top six role in Chicago. Yeah, you're probably right. Now there's the chance that he develops and maybe he does squeak into that third line, or maybe the Canes are like, Hey, listen, we've decided to bring you up. We want you on our fourth line now. And we're going to roll four lines pretty consistently. Like we always have. Right. Yeah. We want our fourth line to give a little bit more offense. And we think you can provide that. We think you can be that, you know, agitator that the Canes have never had ever. Uh, like the last time we had somebody that thought was what Kevin Westgarth, <laughs> the last guy we had that was like a pain in the ass to play against go still have a story about him i don't know if i've told that on the podcast but that's for another day who who was the last like real pain in the ass PETA player that we've had you know gleason 
Yeah, I don't think we've had any since Gleason. Yeah, that's probably it. I mean, and it's probably it's probably a fine if he gets off the bench to uh, go whoop some ass on the ice. I'd yeah. imagine that's a that's a fine. Probably frowned upon. Yes. Um. So um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking with Reese. I think if the Canes decide that they need some of that in their lineup, by all means, I think he could make that roster spot. There's no need to rush him to your point. Like let him get a full year development in their top six, hopefully next year. And and I think he could take a big step offensively and hell maybe by this time next year or even before, you know, maybe it doesn't take all of next year to get him NHL ready. Um, I, you know, he could be ready to step in and make a bigger impact than he, he, hypothetically could opening night we'll see but i mean everything you just said is why i'm so excited to have him in the nhl because i think he is just going to be such a fan favorite pretty much the moment he steps on the ice but hey they also have coach Ekkov. like i mean he could be in the nhl sooner than later so they've got their uh enforcer right there that last question i have for you because i just thought of it what are the odds that jake gardner is bought out by the hurricanes this offseason it's gotta be like 75 percent, right yeah yeah now <laughs> yeah. that he is cleared to play <laughs> I do not see the Hurricanes keeping Jake Gardner. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for, like, maybe you hope he can be your second power play court. I, I No, <laughs> probably not. I, I, I'm going to assume he's not in the Hurricanes, uh, or, or not on the Hurricanes roster, excuse me, by, you know, a couple weeks from now. All right. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week. Next week, we will have our draft episode where we'll just focus on the draft. I might try and get some of my buddies to come on the podcast and talk about the draft with us. Stay tuned for, I guess, our draft content. I know I'm working on a bunch, Brandon. I know you've been working on a a bunch of stuff, too. It's been a weird offseason already. Nothing's even happened yet, and we're still, like, you know, panicking. But still, it is it, man. It's it's a it's a very tight butthole off season. It, it there's there there's a lot of clenching. I'm not gonna oh, lie. Right there, title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but folks, as always, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.